friends, welcome to another episode of Ruby Redux here on Rooster Team Radio. Today, we are talking about Volume 8, Episode 8, Dark. And this actually has the special distinction of being Ruby's 100th episode. So, woo! Yay! Yeah, that was wild! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so please, join us, step into our humble abode, and let's go ahead and get this party started. Let me introduce my fantastic co-host. Uh, joining us tonight is the wonderful Katie Cullen. Hi, all my buddies. Here's Katie. <laughs> I had to. They're... I had to. <laughs> also joining us is the lovely Stacy Shuttleworth. Hello, hello. And uh, sadly, Mark B. Donica could not join us tonight. He was um, captured by evil forces and forced into a grim experimentation program. It's very unfortunate. Get the mark. <laughs> Get the mark <laughs> we're all very sad but once he's done once he's all once that program's all done like he'll come back and hang out it'll be fun <laughs> totally fun <laughs> yeah uh but no no for real uh mark's been working very very hard and his work schedule is absolutely crazy he sends his well wishes to everybody who listens to the show and he will be joining us again at some point when work calms down but in the meantime we wish him well and he sends all his love to you guys um and i'm megan salinas uh guys let's go ahead and talk about this show <laughs> Because it's Ruby's 100th episode. I think they knocked it out of the park. Uh, let's, yeah, let's not waste any time. What did we think of this 100th episode? Let's go ahead and start with Stacy. Man, we, we're just really going for it. Just nonstop <laughs> going for it. <laughs> They're just, we, this, this episode was filled with so many moments, both action-packed, we had moments of, you know, the good old spooky, scary Ruby, we had character-building moments, we had sweet moments between characters who usually don't get to interact all that much. Really packed this episode full of a lot of great things. Yeah, considering it's a milestone episode, we... Uh, it really does feel like we had a lot of significant stuff packed into this, what, 17-minute episode? Uh, yeah, it's a lot. Katie, what did you think? While we were watching this, it took everything I had, while we were watching this the first time, it took everything I had not to lean over at multiple different points and go, so, Megan, you having a good time? Are you enjoying this? This turned into a horror movie within i want to say the first two minutes like well probably a little longer than that the opening theme but you knock the power out and suddenly it's a horror movie and then we have the framing and then we have stalking things down the halls and then we have the obligatory shining reference <laughs> just good lord this episode was well scripted, well acted. It was incredibly well balanced in terms of all of the different storylines that we saw bits of, including seeing bits of Jailbird, which I was honestly not expecting. So yeah, this was incredibly well done. And we basically got just a 15 minute horror short. <laughs> and that reveal, I hope a lot of you feel super validated right about now because uh soylent hound is people was not something i was prepared to see 
I I have to concur wholeheartedly. You guys know I love my horror movies, and I especially love when Ruby goes full horror movie. Uh, we got it with the Apathy, we got it with Necklavy, and now we've gotten it with the Hound, and it's it just it's make it makes me oh so happy. And even though like I'm definitely eating my words from earlier this volume because when people postulated the theory that the Hound could in fact be a person, I very much dismissed it. I was like, guys, that's a little out there. I like the idea, but it's a little out there. I've never been more happy to be wrong. <laughs> I'm so happy, guys. Um, but yeah, this episode, I think this episode is really special too because it looks like all five writers worked on this particular episode. So we don't exactly know who came up with what in regards to this one. But uh, yes, to everybody on the writing staff, everybody in Kruby who put this episode together, and also just anybody who's worked on these 100 episodes up till now, just brava. <laughs> this was fabulous. And yeah, it was, uh, it was a ton of fun to watch. I would like to say... To the one specific person who came up with Soylent Hound as people, whoever's idea in particular that was, turn on your location. I just want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I have my guesses as to who it was. But I don't know if anyone's going to come out and say it, so we'll see. Yeah, whoever pitched that, you are a genius and I love you. <laughs> Eddie. Miles. <laughs> We don't know. We don't know. We'll just have to split the blame evenly at this point. Yes. Five-way blame. You're all responsible. I hope you're happy and they're sitting there like, yes, actually, we're fucking thrilled. Very pleased, as a matter of fact. Ah, it's just a bunch of popcorn-eating gifts, I'm sure. Oh, my God, yes. Well, uh, it's actually funny that you mentioned The Shining, Katie, because I actually finally got to the chance to watch Dr. Sleep, which uh, a lot of people online have been calling the Ruby movie. And so I was like, how does Ruby factor into this film? And now oh, it I does. Know. <laughs> it does. And now I know, and I'm happy that I know. And uh, if you don't know, then go watch Dr. Sleep because it's very good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shall we get to it then? Uh, let's, let's, you know what, uh, there's a lot to unpack in this episode. Let's go ahead and talk about Jailbirds, just the entire sort of package here. Because there's not really too much to delve into here. But the episode starts with Crow waking up in his cell, hearing explosions from the outside. Jacques looks nervous. He looks like he's, uh, like... He's expecting Whitley to, like, walk through the door at any moment with his ride home. And uh, and Watts is also being ominously quiet. And it doesn't take long before the explosions actually reach the room. Uh, and it looks like Robin is covered in rubble. Crow turns into a crow. And Cinder walks in. Uh, takes uh, takes Watts and Iron Man her Iron Man exits out <laughs> of jail. So let's talk about this a little bit. Um, where where does this leave all of our characters? Like, is Cinder actually going to fulfill uh, the instructions that Salem gave her, or is she going to drop Watts? How is this all <laughs> going to come together? <laughs> oh, well, now I'm imagining that. <laughs> 
this man empty. Yeet. What did you think of this opening and where is it going? We have fun here. Now I really do just want Cinder to be like, long live the king and <laughs> She won't, but I want it because it's dumb. Someone just do a little four coma comic of this for me just to make me happy. I would appreciate that very, very much. Don't actually do that. I'm not about to ask you for free art. Your talent and time are worth money. Uh, yeah, I just, I love that. Um, the question for me is whether Crow got out on his own or whether he figured out a way to take Robin with him. Because I seriously doubt that Crow is still there. I am absolutely certain that Jacques still is because nobody has two fucks to rub together about that guy. But the question, the only question I have is, did he bail on his own as a bird? Or did he find a way to take Robin with him? Like, that's that's where I am. Because there's no way that crow is still there. Not with the hole in the wall. Not with the big Pirates of the Caribbean. Sucks to be you, mate, but we gotta leave. Jailbreak. Like, no. <laughs> I no. believe that's a direct quote from the film. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. It's like rotten luck, mate, or something like that. But you know what? Sucks to be you. Just really. It's, just, it's a level below sucks to suck. Because sucks to suck is when something is directly your fault, but sucks to be you is just terrible luck, which gestures loudly at Crow. <laughs> How about you, Stacey? What did you think of this opening, and where's it going? And now I'm just imagining Jacques just kind of sitting there amidst the rubble, kind of like caught in this bureaucratic nightmare of, so, so do I just get up and leave now? <laughs> is someone going to come check on me? Am I still arrested? <laughs> Where's my child? He's supposed to take me out of here. <laughs> I really, I really like that. Am I still arrested? Right? Like, I know he's not uh, that. Please useless. come pick me up. Right? He's like, well, well, I don't have a ride out of here. What am I supposed to do? Walk? So he's just like sitting there. Right. So he's just going to sit there and wait until someone shows up and tells him what to do next. What I'm anticipating is him waiting, you know, amidst the rubble going like, Whitley, I, I should stay put. Whitley will be here at any moment. That way I don't have to waste any energy walking. <laughs> uh, and he's he sits there up until the Grim show up. <laughs> then, <laughs> uh, and really, I, it's not that I want him to be mauled to death by a Grim. I do. But yes. I would love, what I really, really want is to see the look on his face as he is face to face with a grim. You know, <laughs> I want that ready to freeze him. frame captured and hung on my wall. <laughs> Just as a pick me up whenever I need to feel better about myself. It's Abject that, terror. It's that little bit of schadenfreude that makes life worth living. Right. And at his expense, wonderful. I don't even have to feel slightly bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's something that we as an audience can all come together and agree on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I worry about Robin. I think she's going to be okay. I think this is going to be a kid. I, I literally think it's as simple as Crow turning back into a person and helping to remove the rubble. I, mm -hmm. I think it's as simple as that. But because we don't really have much to go on, in this episode it's hard to say 
I think it would be, considering how much uh, bad luck everybody in the crater is having right now, I think it would be absolutely terrible if Robin was uh, down for the count for a little while as a result of this. But yeah, I'm just kind of hoping that they can use this as a way to sort of just peace out <laughs> um, from Iron Man's... Oh my god! <laughs> I meant to say Ironwood, and that just shows you where I'm at. I'm hoping that's because they didn't sign the Sokovia Accord. Wow. Might notice I have the MCU on the brain because of WandaVision. Uh, Rightfully so. But yeah, I'm hoping that they can use this as an opportunity to sort of of peace out um, and say later to Ironwood's (laughs) sort of captivity and just be like, yeah, later, bye. The question then is, how long between the explosion and Cinder showing up? Because the troops were kind of Johnny on the spot when Cinder got there. So was this a they bookended it for the audience's benefit or was this a the explosion happened and then cinder took her sweet ass time getting there we don't know but i think knowing how much time there was between those two events will tell us exactly how much crow would have been able to get done (laughs) i do love the idea of her blowing a hole into the jail cell and seeing watts covered in rubble and going no 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 not yet <laughs> I he, can, time. he can sit there for a few minutes <laughs> he needs to think about what he's done <laughs> well, and then she still considers dropping him from a very high height as she you know flies off into the center the king. <laughs> well what's going to be interesting is seeing if whether or not uh the plan that watts came up with in regards to penny if that is in some way going to interfere with um, kind of what Salem had in mind. Probably not, uh, given uh, how the rest of this episode shakes out, but, you know, we'll see. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. Um, Do we have any final thoughts on our jailbirds uh, before we move on to the next topic? Uh Uh-oh. All right. Yeah, no, just the only other thing I want to point out is in my notes, I put boom, bird, breakout. Boom, bird, hey. get out the way. <laughs> Concise, clear, there it is. <laughs> All right, so let's head on over to the Schnee Manor then. Can you just please read exactly what you have as the header for this? Because I think it's perfect. Uh, Penny, Nara, and the power are out. <laughs> Those are my notes. For <laughs> All accurate. <laughs> There are no lies here. I love it so much. Oh my god. But that's not that's not inaccurate. They bring in Penny. Um Nora's still down for the count. And shortly after they bring in Penny, the power goes out, which is not great uh, for every and this is like citywide power outage for Atlas, which now that I'm thinking about it, because I'm only just now thinking about it. I'm wondering how terrifying that has to be for everybody who was evacuated into the subway. Oh, God. Oh, oh no. Oh, there's bringing so many grim around. And we, and we know that there's apathy in the grim that Monstra is blarging up to. Yes. I'm just like, I'm sitting here going, ooh, I really hope there's some auxiliary power oh. for like the subway system where everybody's at, but... I love that you think that Ironwood thinks that far ahead. <laughs> Disaster readiness for Atlas? 
it's less likely than you think. <laughs> he did learn a lot from Oz, didn't he? Oh! <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hmm. Wow. I'm not sorry. <laughs> Nor should you be. No, no. <laughs> Everyone is a disaster here. It's just a matter of how the disasters collide and who is the more competent disaster. <laughs> Can your disasterness work in your favor, or at least work against somebody else's level of disaster? Find out next time on Disasters, Disasters Everywhere. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here, like thinking about Ironwood being like, he, he's like, I shot Oz and killed Oz, so I am the disaster king now. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the insurance he needed for this. I'm sure. I am the disaster king. <laughs> uh, general disaster. Uh, but anyway. Yes, this is. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just sitting here hoping like, oh man, that's going to suck for everybody oh. down there. But uh, that's not even something that this episode even remotely touches on. Um, we're, we're, we stay at the Schnee Manor for the, the remainder of the runtime. Um, and something that Weiss points out is that they have auxiliary power, you know, company perks. And at, when she mentions company perks, that gives Whitley an idea. And this is where we sort of split the party for the remainder of the episode. Uh, Whitley comes up with a plan, and it's actually a kind of brilliant plan um, because May, ha May actually isn't here. May decided to take off and head back down to the crater to do everything she could for the people down there. But as she tells all of the rest of the kids, who even knows how much left there is to do? Uh, because there's a lot happening right now. Um, so Whitley actually comes up with the idea of using company resources to send like a bunch of basically aircraft carriers down to the crater to evacuate people, which is... Again, I'm re I'm genuinely surprised just how much Whitley pulls through in this episode. So yeah, we we divide and conquer. Whitley goes to to the, his dad's computer terminal to go and do all the credential stuff for all that, and Blake and Ruby go off to uh, try to get the power back on, and so everything's in place for that. And Weiss is sort of ping ponging back and forth to and going to wherever she needs to go at any given moment. So let's focus on Blake and Ruby for right now uh, while they go out to get the power back on. What did we think of this particular interaction? Stacy? at the top of the show, you mentioned that we get some interactions between characters who we don't get to see very often any, uh, together anymore. And even though Blake and Ruby are very much on the same team, we really don't get to see the two of them have one-on-one -on -one time very often. It's been a long time since it's just been the two of them in any given moment. What did we think of this interaction between the two of them? Let's go ahead and start with Stacy. It was very wholesome. <laughs> we really don't. I mean, every interaction with the two of them is more or less a group interaction, which play very differently than kind of one-on-one -on -one focusing on the person in front of you. And since they have their respective partners, you know, their attention isn't often focused on each other. So to see Blake kind of turn to Ruby and, well, it, 
Ruby showing kind of her fear and her doubt and having Blake step in and give her kind of that encouragement and, you know, admitting that she's her, that Ruby's been her role model, even though she's younger than her. That was very, very team-like pick-me-up for, for Ruby. Katie, how about you? I agree. That was incredibly sweet. And it's, we've got so much of Blake's backstory. We spent so much time on it. It's been great, great history and character development. And now we can have conversations like this where she talks about, I used to be like that. I used to be more of an idealist. I wasn't. And then, you know, things happened. I'm like, oh, by things happened, mm-hmm. did we mean Adam Taurus? Is that, is that a th- uh, Yep. Goodbye, Earl. Okay things happened and I wasn't sure that someone like that could survive in the world and then I met you and so it's so nice now that we've had all of this backstory all of this character development where we can have these conversations that seem so simple on the surface but we are so aware of all of the layers beneath them and everything that has gone into it that they take on more depth I love stuff like this I absolutely love, we've done all the work, we've put in all the character building, and now we're going to have a really simple conversation that has layers like onions. Like, I adore this. This is great. Yeah, this really is a case of, like, a little bit goes a long way. Um, And I really liked this interaction, too, not only because it's very rare that we see these two just off on their own, um, but... At the beginning of the season, it was Yang seemingly losing confidence in in Ruby's ability to make decisions for the team that really shook Ruby this entire volume. Like she's she's been having to reassure herself that like it's okay, you know, sisters fight, we we disagree, it's okay. Um but then as the situation continues to escalate, she has to keep asking herself, what am I supposed to do? Did I make the right decision? Could I, do any, could I have done anything differently? And so it's really, really nice to have a character, um, uh, you know, who's gone through her own really perilous journey. And, you know, she went off on her own for a while and came back to the team. It, it's really nice to have a character go, you don't always know what to do but you always feel the need to do something and you should never lose sight of that you should never lose that drive and that passion and that desire to help um and like you are admirable for having that trait i think is a really nice thing to hear after hearing nothing but you've been making the wrong decision over and like because everybody at, at basically every turn has been telling Ruby that she's made the wrong move, which, you know, the story's not done. So that's not necessarily true. Like Ironwood yelled at her. Um, Yang seemingly lost faith in her, you know, stuff like that. So it's really nice to hear how, you know, somebody reiterate that idea of like you keep moving forward and that's what's important. And I really liked that. And having that reinforced later in the episode when Blake is fighting on her own and crying and calling out to Ruby going, we need you. Like, I think that's exactly what Ruby needed to hear. And and yeah, it was just, it was really nice and really sweet. 
And this entire scene was precluded by a scene where they have a conversation with May, who previous to this had been very headstrong, very sure, putting the pressure on them to make a decision to go one way or the other and to commit to doing something. So having that kind of conversation with her and seeing this stark situation that she was in now and almost hearing the hope kind of fading from her voice and from her words when she's talking about, look, honestly, I don't, I don't know if there's much you can do anymore. Uh, you know, she's still resolutely heading down to Mantle to help the citizens below the crater, but kind of passing like that overwhelming wave of hopelessness that kind of settles over the scene right before that. So then to have Ruby, you know, feel needed again, understand how much that her teammates like Blake count on her kind of added another layer to the to how powerful it was agreed and also shout out to klein too for giving some really damn good advice you know when ruby's sitting here going like how are we supposed to fix all this like there's so much that that's broken you know how are we supposed to fix it and klein says one step at a time and you know we've been living the quarantine life for like a year now, <laughs> and, and I think one step at a time is like the best advice for for when you're feeling overwhelmed. So thanks for that, Clyde. <laughs> you don't have to clean your entire room all at once. Just just focus on making the bed. Just make the bed first, and it'll all go from there. That sort of thing. <laughs> Agreed. Um, I also, you know, not, not to jump too much around, but, um, as, as the, you know, as the situation escalates and, um, you know, Grimm start attacking the house, uh, and we get that really cool acid spitting <laughs> Grimm from the trailer. I also really liked, you know, just having a, a moment where Blake is one-on-one -on -one with a unique Grimm and she's just like, why? Who, who? <laughs> Like, who decided that this thing needed to be grosser than it already was? Why Blake. do they keep getting more disgusting? <laughs> Blake just straight up broke the fourth wall and talked directly to the animators and writers on that one. Blake just out here like, can, can, can I have something? Can I have something? Can I have a break? Do you understand how many seasons it's been since the old man who is everywhere put a big bowl of fish in front of me? Can I have something? <laughs> Um, but I, I did really like that moment between, um, between her and Ruby where Ruby, uh, Ruby helps her out and she's like, I could hear you. It's just, it was so sweet. Um, okay. Do we have any final thoughts on Blake and Ruby before we move on? Yeah. You skipped over your favorite part of it. <laughs> <laughs> the hound? Yes. Well, I kind of wanted to talk about the hound is as like its own chunk but like that's why i'm like i i don't want to bounce around too much but we can okay we'll 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 come back to <laughs> soylent hound is people i'm I... no longer calling him krampus it's soylent now <laughs> i was gonna say we could circle back and just talk about the hound now do we want to talk about the hound we can talk about the hound who wants to talk about the hound let's talk about whitley and then we'll talk about <laughs> <laughs> have a cleanser for a moment there about the mail i want to talk about the mail <laughs> um okay so yeah let's talk about whitley or really just kind of the schnee household in general 
I think I think technically you could give the MVP award to like all of them, but I think Whitley really takes it in this episode. He comes up with the plan um, and he starts uh, he. I, I don't know, like, whether or not he has any particular, like, elite hacking skills or literally if he just happened to have the credentials. Um, but, yeah, he comes up with this plan. He Once the power comes back on, he hops onto the computer and starts basically telling every all of these automated systems where they need to go. And it's just, I was really genuinely surprised at um, how how his character interacted with everybody in this episode like i have done a complete and total 180 on this character compared to how he was presented you know in earlier seasons and even in this episode when he's like initially covered in like robot coolant or or whatever whatever (laughs) whatever penny happens to be leaking at the moment like i kind of i laughed at him i literally pointed and went ha ha and then like as the episode progressed like the situation obviously very much changed and whitley really came through uh what did we think of how of this character progression for somebody who was initially introduced to us as a potential villain katie what did you think we are long past the days of Shitley playing. Was it Parcheesi by himself? <laughs> what game was it? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I feel like it was Parcheesi or Monopoly. We are long, long past those days. And it is honestly amazing to see how this family functions when the horrifying, toxic iceberg that is Jacques Schnee is out of the picture. It is amazing to see how different everyone is and we talk about Whitley being the MVP for this episode which yeah I'm there for that but Willow in here with the assist multiple times and I yeah do we we don't have a we don't have a bullet for Willow I want to talk about Willow for a little (laughs) bit as well in terms of doing things this episode because we have Whitley coming up with a plan we have Whitley knowing what to do and being able to handle it but we also have Willow who is freaking out because uh the power is out there's a grim invasion things are really bad and she doesn't do too well on the best of days because she has spent years and years and years being beaten down by her situation life itself things have not been easy for Willow Schnee And even now, she's freaking out, she's drinking, she's, you know, her usual coping mechanism. But when it comes down to it, and she can choose to either go back to the drink or she can pick up and help, she chooses to pick up and help. She becomes the eye in the sky for Weiss to try to figure out what the hell the hound is doing. And she uses her semblance to save Whitley. Because it took a moment to realize, like, that's not Weiss there, that's Winter summoning willow. winter willow wow wow wow! everyone has w names and i'm very tired at least they're related i straight up called ironwood iron man so you're fine <laughs> we're not calling everyone mercury we'll get back to villain central and then everyone will be mercury despite the fact that he's out of the camera right now but out of the shot oh my god <laughs> Okay, this is quality entertainment for you all, I am sure. But yeah, we 
We don't really think about the fact that Willow has the same semblance until you remember that the Schnee family semblance is inherited. We see Winter use it, we see Weiss use it. We haven't seen Willow use it before now, and she comes in clutch for this. And then Whitley, running for his life, still takes that ten se- that two seconds to go back and hit yes to get this plan in motion, and then goes to save his skin. Like, this is a man who might survive a horror movie. Like, holy cow. And then, again, the two of them coming in clutch at the end with the statue drop. Just, I was not expecting this much from these characters when we returned to Atlas, like, at all. And seeing them at work this episode was just chef kiss. It is so nice to see what this family is capable of when Jacques is not there. Stacy, what was your thought on Team Schnee this episode? Man, it, this was almost, I mean, directly oppositional to kind of what we had inferred based on the opening title credits with, you know, the Schnee household basically shattering. Uh, I've seen a lot of theories where like, oh, the house is going to fall. That's the only like way to interpret that scene. And here we are with the house rising up. Uh, it's amazing to see in action what a little bit of positive feedback does for a kid to see Whitley who has essentially been raised up as Jacques little mini me he he's been taught how to wield immense powers he's been trained you know to do all of these things in the name of taking over the con- the company carrying on his dad's legacy his dad's stolen legacy but to see him pivot in such a way and to see all of that cunning and all of that the resourcefulness that had probably been nurtured in a rather cruel way, presumably, by Jacques. See it put towards good was uh, really satisfying to me because we've been watching Whitley kind of change and learning more about who he is and what happened to, you know, bring us that sarcastic little bratty kid that we saw in the earlier interactions. But you have to appreciate he's still a bratty little kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, There's still the relationship between him and Willow, like they still have some work to do as well, because when she initially tries to call to warn him about the hound, he's like, Oh my God, not now. And even like when she first walked into the room at right after the power went out, he was like, oh, cool. Glad, glad you could join us, even though he had been sequestered to his room, <laughs> like, what, 15 minutes before? <laughs> but that was I, different. That was his sister who sent him to it. <laughs> well, was not self-imposed. Exactly. Yeah, and I think their relationship is is also really fascinating. I spent I spent a lot of time thinking about it after this episode because we have Willow stepping in and really, yeah, showing up for her family and playing a pivotal role in kind of keeping everyone safe and protecting all of them. But it's very clear that Whitley's problem was not just with his father. There's a whole other tangled mess that is is a lot deeper and a lot harder to get through with, you know, a distant mother 
So for a kid seeing his reaction to her versus our personal reaction to her, you know, watching her pull through and kind of overcome this, this very clear fear that we see hits very differently than say Whitley, who kind of just sees her as a nuisance at, at least at first in the episode. Well, we get a little bit of this dynamic. I think the first time we meet Willow, which was like, what, a season yeah. ago? Mm-hmm. Mid, yep. mid last season. God, it's like 2020 has just gone on forever. <laughs> it feels so long. Yeah. It is like, how long was it? Wasn't that decades ago? <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. We were introduced to her 84 years ago. <laughs> it's been 84 years. It feels like it. But she talked about how, you know, don't be too hard on your brother. Y'all left him here alone with your dad. And And me. Yeah, Mm -hmm. on the one hand, true. On the other hand, we know from Weiss that Willow checked out a long time ago. Out of the marriage, out of the family, out of everything. And, I mean, on the one hand, it's like, can you blame her? Gestures loudly to Jacques. On the Mm -hmm. other hand... Yeah, that definitely has an effect on your kids and your relationship with them. So as much as we look at Whitley and go, oh my God, please answer your phone. Like, we also get it. We get what he thinks of his mother. We get the situation that he's been in. And yeah, if the only parent who's in the picture is the one who's just an asshole, who I don't... Yeah, just if the only parent that's in the picture is the actively terrible parent, as opposed to the absent parent, well, you don't have any good choices there. Yeah, and even in, like, even in this episode, Willow's first instinct is to run away from the problem. Um, And so that's why it's so important when her children are in danger, the fact that instead of continuing to run away, she instead runs towards that danger so she can save her kid and i i think honestly that says a lot uh about just sort of the trajectory of their relationship because whitley goes from just you know dismissing her entirely to being saved by her and then it's only by working together that they're able to pull off that statue maneuver at the end so yeah i think this is I don't want to say that's like a full arc in this episode because they, they still have a lot of work to do, I think, in their relationship. But I think this is this crisis in particular and how they've all acted under under pressure is going to be a good foundation for what they can accomplish together as a family moving forward. Oh, at least I hope so. Anyway, <laughs> it's still early. I mean, ground level here. We survived the night <laughs> so far, so far. I don't know about the night so much as we survived this episode. <laughs> we survived Soil at Hound, which is not something everyone can say. I mean, so- was the sun coming up when Cinder uh, took uh, took Watts and flew off into? into the distance i don't know Mm. what is time (laughs) time is made of circles and that is why clocks are round i don't know time is irrelevant now can i tell you (laughs) i think it was the morning sun but i don't know (laughs) and then the morning comes (laughs) um but yeah so this i i really appreciated 
getting to see these characters shine. Um, so, and again, I it makes me hopeful for the nature of their relationship moving forward. And yeah, I hope I genuinely hope that the Schnee family crest shattering is Jacques' empire shattering versus the destruction of the family itself. So. We'll see how all that goes. Do we have any final thoughts on Team Schnee in this episode? MVP and support assist. <laughs> I'm here for You're it. Here. Someone do like the Overwatch play of the game bits. Someone <laughs> do that for them. I need it. They deserve it. They yeah. do. What would you call play of the game? Uh, Willow with the save, Whitley coming back to hit execute, or the two of them working together to knock down the statue? Uh, the statue, definitely. That's a shutdown play is what that is. That's fair. Yeah, the, the going back to hit the button on the computer, I think, is going to be the larger play overall, but the statue play was uh, <laughs> the immediate MVP. It's well- got Nash. Right. Well, let's be real. Overwatch play of the game, that algorithm goes for flashy shit over <laughs> youthful shit every single time. No matter what. <laughs> Definitely the statue, and I'm calling mm-hmm. that a shutdown play. <laughs> and we've been we've been sort of uh, we've only really touched on Weiss in this episode very briefly. Um, because like I said, she kind of pinged back and forth and but like we should also really give it up to Weiss for uh, one surviving the hound, uh, like when she was just off on her own, um, and also hitting the hound in the face with an ice wall. That was pretty good and definitely deserves some props. <laughs> yes, and it also gave us that really, really great shining reference because there's no <laughs> way that was not a reference to the shining. Let's be real here's krampus (laughs) oh his name actually might have been johnny (laughs) (laughs) we don't know oh (sighs) Oh. (laughs) i just made myself mad why you do this i'm so fucking happy You know, it's really sad. Uh, now that I think about it, when the Hound was initially introduced and and we were all trying to come up with a good name for that, for this new Grimm, and I said, well, because he can talk, we could just ask him. And you all acted like that was the worst thing in the world I could have said. It's still bad. <laughs> and now I'm sitting here going like, but he did have a name. <laughs> We'll never know it. Now the implications are worse. (laughs) So on a scale of one to ten, how fucked up is it? (laughs) That's generally but also how fucked up is it that salem used a dog faunus and made it into a dog grim is that fitting or just racist racist definitely yeah yeah i think that's pretty clear (laughs) um no honestly that might not have factored into it at all uh i think more of the deciding factor was his eyes um that Johnny has, had silver eyes. His jo- name's Johnny now. Oh, it's no! Johnny. That's how we differentiate. Johnny is the man behind the mask. 
Krampus oh. and or Soylent is the hound itself. Should we do an ad break before we get into this? You know, I was going to say we should talk about iTunes before we get into it, but it sounds like we're already waist deep. So No, no, we're going to take a minute. We're going to let the audience recover from that bit and go, oh God, was his name Johnny? And we're going to we talk gotta, about iTunes. We got to step back for a moment here. Okay. Okay. Everybody, let's, let's. Let's take a moment, Never. take a deep breath, <laughs> and let's talk about iTunes. Folks, thank you so much to everybody who's gone to iTunes to rate, subscribe, leave a comment. We love hearing from you, and it's a really good way to help our podcast become more searchable for people looking for Rooster Teeth-related content. And when you do leave a review, we also like to give you guys a little shout-out. Rhythmic Warrior left us a nice review. I am so grateful to you all for keeping this podcast going after AfterBuzz. I don't have any friends who are into Ruby, so it's nice to have a place to come to hear fellow Ruby fans geek out over the show we all love. Please keep up the great work. Team Mask, M-M-S-K. Megan, Mark, Stacy, Katie. I get the color black because masks can also mean to shade or conceal in darkness. I'm not sure if that's the best or worst team name considering 2020. <laughs> Lastly, shameless plug, feel free to read or ignore. <laughs> I make Ruby fan art, DeviantArt slash Rhythmic Warrior. And that's R-H-Y-7-H-M-I-C-W-4-R-R-I-O-R. So thank you so much, Rhythmic Warrior. And we have another review from Slade's Nephew One. Uh, you are all amazing, and I love hearing what you have to say. Theory, Emerald and Cinder get a Zuko-level redemption arc, or more anti-hero arc with Neo as their moral compass, and ship fun, Ironwood and Watts would be Iron Puppet. Hey, I like that. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. And uh, it's been a little while since we've recorded Ruby, so we also have a ton of Twitter interactions. We don't have time to go through all of them but we just wanted to say thank you to everybody who interacts with us on twitter at the rooster team you can tweet at us there um be sure to follow us and you guys can also support us by uh heading on over to t public uh, we have a store there where you can buy t-shirts of the funny things that we say and um you guys can also join our discord the link to do so should be in the description of this episode but you know you can always ask us for it and we'll send it your way too and uh, we also have a sponsor for this week's episode. As always, the sponsor for this episode, this podcast, and our particular brand of insanity is Fred He Bakes. Fred does cookies. Cookies are really good all the time, but especially right about now, let's be real. Uh, yeah, his flagship cookie is Brown Sugar Buddies. They are like a cross between a spice cookie and a molasses cookie and a ginger snap. They are chewy. They are wonderful. They are amazing. I really, really like these, you guys. If you are still in the mood for fall flavors, despite the fact that fall is behind us and we are well into winter, that's also cool, too. They're also winter flavors. We have the Maple Brown Sugar Buddy, which is all the goodness of a brown sugar buddy, but also with maple. And if you're more of a chocolate chip cookie person, we have the Big Chip Buddies. They are giant, they are fluffy, they are full of chocolate chips, and they are super, super good. And if you're like me and you can't decide and you want a little bit of everything, he also does sampler boxes so you can get a little bit of everything and then order more of your favorites, which is usually everything because everything is amazing. Everything is made fresh to order, never frozen. It's all made in small batches, and you cannot find these in stores. You can only find them at fredhebakes.com. That is three words, fredhebakes.com. 
and use coupon code the rooster team for 20% off your entire order. Fredhebakes.com, coupon code the rooster team. Treat yourself, you deserve it. Thank you guys so, so much for everything you guys do to support our podcast. Thank you so, so much for just everything. We love you. All right, let's get back to it. Uh, let's t- let's talk about the hound. Do you want to talk about the hound? Let's talk about the hound. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you want to talk about the hound. I'm getting that feeling too. I don't know if you guys are picking up what I'm putting down, but I want to talk about the hound. I'm hip to your lip. I can dig what you're shoveling. I am swinging to your beat. His name is Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, the second we were introduced to the Hound, we knew that this was something different. We knew that he was unlike any other Grimm that had come before it. And we knew that there was definitely something up. And whether that meant he was just a special Grimm or if it had some other sort of significance, we we didn't know. And we've actually spent a lot of time on this podcast speculating whether or not, you know, he is special or mass produced. Uh, you know, what what makes the hound unique and dangerous? And it turns out Soylent Hound is people. <laughs> Yes. Uh, like we discussed earlier, uh, a theory that I that we talked about that I had sort of dismissed was that it turned that was that the hound specifically the theory um, that uh, summer Ruby Ruby's mother had been turned into the hound and that that was the character that was the hound that was running around Atlas doing all this stuff. That was the initial theory. And that was one where I'm like, ah, that seems like it's coming out of left field, uh, y'all. But now with this episode, that's clearly not <laughs> out of <laughs> left field. Um, and you really, I really have to give credit to the Ruby community because like, even though we sit down and we talk about Ruby at length, every chance we get, the Ruby community at large came up with that theory that I was just, uh, that never would have occurred to me, honestly. Um, and so we get this fantastic reveal in this episode that like, not only can this uh, grim shapeshift and speak, but it's actually inside of it is a person. What did we think of the hound in this episode? Let's go ahead and start with Stacy, because I've done a lot of talking just now. Legit. Man, what a reveal. And, and this was something that we talked about. This was a theory that was floating around. And you know what? Even even knowing that like some people expected that. It was still just sitting there, like, jaw hanging open, like, oh, it is people. (laughs) Man, it is people and silver eyes don't work on it. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Look, it wasn't summer in there, but that definitely opens the door. If that thing was... And a character that we were not familiar with. Just imagine the monstrosities that could be in wait for us now. <laughs> I I really liked that. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, the um, monster 
is secretly people or people were the monsters all along. That is a, a plot twist in the horror genre that is, it's a, it's one of those plot twists that it has been around for a while. It is a trope at this point, but it's something that when done right, really, really works. And And just like any effective trope, you can do it badly and and you know when when you see examples of it done badly you know you roll your eyes and you're like oh of course monster was man the whole time da 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 but like when it's done right it really hits you hard and i think that this was an example of that particular plot twist that particular trope being done not only right but damn near pitch perfect katie how about you I was definitely on the, no, it's just a custom-made Grimm. It's not, well, I was definitely on the, it's not summer train. But I also was on the, it's not people train. And um, I stand corrected, my God. <laughs> You're like, oh, wait God. a minute. I am on the people train. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, people. Am I horrified or delighted that I was wrong? Uh, six, six of one, <laughs> half a dozen of the other. Let's be real. I am horolighted. <laughs> I love that. Do you? <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Yeah. The we, you know we film reactions for these. Um. Rip to any headphones users out there who watch that one, because oh boy, I did a lot of screaming. Um. Yeah, I agree that this was really well executed, even if it was an old trope. I mean, they're tropes for a reason. And I think part of it is we've had the buildup for the Hound as an entity for long enough. We've been able to see what it's capable of. We've seen that it's scary on its own. And the fact that it could talk was, again, a hell of a reveal. So moving on to, oh, wait, it's people. <laughs> it, it's It's... It's an angry grim outside with a soft people center, you know? <laughs> Yikes. Oh, no. I will come up with as many awful, horrifying jokes about this as I possibly can. That is why you keep me, for better or for worse. Yikes. So I'm sure we have, like, a whole variety chocolate box of grim with soft people centers. Let's be real. Oh, no. Where does it end? Life is Grim, you never know what you're gonna get. Um, <laughs> this is my type five for the next RTX. Regardless, this was incredibly well done. I did a lot of screaming, and I love that we can see the in-character reasoning behind this. I love that we can sit back and go, okay, we know how Salem works. We know that someone was going after silver-eyed people for a long-ass time, we saw that with Maria. So we know that this has been in the works for a while. It's entirely possible that Salem just has a lot of silver-eyed people in, like, cold storage in the Grim Pool somewhere. <laughs> it's like Animal Crossing. You throw it into your, uh, into your storage in your house and it just keeps forever <laughs> until you need it. Basically that. And it's entirely possible that she has been doing all sorts of crazy grim experiments with gooey people centers and that this was just the first one that we've seen. It's entirely possible that Monstra is also made of many, many people. We 
just don't know. But it makes sense that not only would she make a Grimm that could not be completely taken out by the Silver Eyes, because a normal Grimm probably could be. The human center keeps it from being completely destroyed by that. But she's doing the two birds, one stone thing by using these silver-eyed people that she's kidnapping anyway in these experiments for that extra level of immunity and or fuck you, probably both. So yeah, this was completely horrifying and I hate it and also I love it and seriously, turn on your location, I just want to <laughs> talk. <laughs> Gonna take a quick survey on a scale of one to ten. How delightful was this? <laughs> with a seven because you need to kind of make room for the screaming and this was not the delightful screaming that's different <laughs> Stacy how about you can, can I have delight and horror in equal measure of eight absolutely all right <laughs> I give it an 11 <laughs> 11 out of 10 we knew that you would love this. <laughs> I need those extra points for just sheer shock and like. Oh, see, I have a seven on delight and then a three on screaming to come out with an even uh, ten. That, that, that's how my scale was working. I think I've now hit twenty. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> how did you go from eight and eight to twenty? <laughs> well, four for the silenced shock. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. None of my shock was silent. It was all screaming. Uh, yeah, this is one of those instances where I've never been more happy to be wrong. And um, I I like to, when a show can surprise me, even even though that was a, a very popular theory, I, I was still very surprised by this reveal. And it makes me oh so happy. Um, also, too, not to... Uh, okay, not to sound weird. Let Stacy talk about the hound first. We <laughs> cut her off. After oh yes, go. <laughs> Please continue, Stacy. Did you want me to scream for forty-five minutes like I offered earlier? <laughs> give us that forty-five minutes, except in one really quick couple seconds condensed noise. Can you do that? Well, this is a lot of pressure, but um. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll I, take it. Legit. I thought for a second it was just going to be the Tina Belchers like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> that doesn't kick in until about the 30 minute mark when I'm tired of screaming, but still need to scream. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, this is going to sound very weird, but like it, you know, Obviously, Ruby has, even though it's gotten darker in later seasons, and I'm sure things are only going to get more bleak and dire. How many more Johnnies are there? <laughs> that is an excellent question. <laughs> but uh, you, as I as I've mentioned time and time again, I love when Ruby, being a you know a fairy tale story, goes full horror movie, goes full grim, if you were, and. Um, it, it's such a weird thing to say, but I really appreciate that there's a body horror element to this. Like, it's very mild, accessible body horror, but it's body horror nonetheless. Um, 
And again, just as a horror movie fan, that's not something I ever anticipated to see in this show, which is a relatively bloodless show. There's blood here and there, but like it's very, very rare. So I never, ever in a million years ever anticipated we'd ever get to see anything like this. And so I am shocked, surprised, delighted, and I I can't wait to see how they horrify us in the future. What will they think of next? <laughs> Somewhere Eddie is listening to this and steepling his fingers like uh, Gendo. Try, either Gendo or Mr. Burns. I'm trying to figure out if this is get in the grim, Johnny. Or- oh, no. <laughs> Excellent. Look, you are asking dangerous questions. And, well, we want the answers to them. but I mean, you put an unwilling human in a biologically based creature of destruction. Get in the grim, Johnny. <laughs> Uh, I said it while we were watching it. This is some Titan shit, and I'm all about it. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, okay. So we we have... uh, We're actually, like, getting through this episode a lot quicker than I thought (laughs) we were. I kind of thought this was going to be a two-hour thing if we included that 45 minutes of screaming. Um, But yeah, this... This episode, we get a lot of cool stuff from the Grim. Uh, from the Grim in this episode, the Hound um, makes a hell of an entrance. Uh, it kidnaps Ruby initially, and then you know we find out no, that uh, it's actually after Penny, which we kind of knew ahead of time, but you know the characters had to find out one way. Um, we get a couple really harrowing sequences when it gets into the house, and then when it's stalking Whitley, um, and then of course we- the, the whole. I know you're there, bitch. <laughs> like, Whitley has probably never seen a Grimm in person, ever, let alone one that's straight up talking to him. <laughs> it's the Jurassic Park velociraptor scene, if the raptors were even smarter. <laughs> yeah, and could also talk like they do and how it should have ended. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, and then it has the the moment where it attacks Penny and actually almost gets away with her uh, before being hit with the silver eyes. And then we get the, you know, the big reveal. Um, I think the part of the reason why we kind of are glossing over all of that is because of the nature of that reveal and the, (laughs) the necessary discussion that that entails. But outside of that reveal, what, what was your guys's favorite moment with the hound in this episode? Let's start with Katie. Oh man, um, I really enjoy. Honestly, I really enjoyed seeing it get run over by a Borbatusk. Uh, <laughs> be real. I always love it when you've got a big horror movie monster and then it gets hit by like a wrecking ball or a runaway horse or just something insane. I really <laughs> do love the Final Destination bus <laughs> sort of filmmaking you know i appreciate that a lot so aside from it getting run over by a borbatusk which gave me life and also gave whitley life let's be real um i enjoyed the jump scares i enjoyed the here's johnny moment both for the reference that it was and for the jump scare and i enjoyed the it's behind you bit that was our introduction to the hound in this episode with ruby and blake how about you stacy I think the entire scene from the moment where Willow starts tracking it on her scroll uh, and the mounting horror of this is weird. It's acting weird. And then all the way up until 
you know, gets slammed into a wall. <laughs> gets saved. But that, that entire kind of stalking, it kind of sl- dramatically slowed down the pace of the episode while still ratcheting up kind of the action. And so I appreciated how that played out. Uh, the- I kind of loved, it's acting weird. Like, have you never seen a dog sense something? <laughs> Not that's, a grim dog. Well, yeah, true. It's acting weird for a grim, but like it's acting like a dog tracking something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think that all rolls in. I mean, Blake at first, when it shows up, it's just a grim. <laughs> Famous last words. They all <laughs> learned. They learned real fast. Who are you trying to convince, <laughs> Blake? Who are you trying to convince? Grim. If only. <laughs> um. I do gotta say, there's a lot of like really fun cinematography with the Hound in this episode. Um, so, like, what kudos to the cinematography in this episode because we go from like you know action oriented stuff to full horror um, to like mounting tension. It, yeah, there's just some really great camera angles and lighting. Um, yeah, good good stuff even when the hound like grabs ruby and like flies up into the air it's like really pretty in a way <laughs> i know that's such a like weird thing to say but it's like really cinematic <laughs> as it's flying up into the air um but i have to i have to give it to i have to concur i think my favorite bit uh with the exception of the reveal would be that moment um when lightning strikes and you could see the hound behind ruby it was just it was it was the perfect introduction um because even though we knew what it was like everybody on team ruby like no one was around when yang and company ran into into the hound so this was a really cool way for for these characters to get introduced to this monster um and i think it was a nice nod too because like the when the hound was initially introduced it was like hanging out in the background of a bunch of different shots in that episode and here it's just like boom there (laughs) uh jump scare and you're there and it was great (laughs) i need the horror movie poster for this episode i'm sure there's one already it's been like four days since the episode dropped and we have some very, very intrepid artists in fandom. I need to see the horror movie posters for this episode. I am sure they are amazing. <laughs> um, okay, I think that covers like what the Hound actually did in the episode. Um, and I know that with this big reveal, sort of anything's a fair game at this point. But, you know, these are discussion questions that we really should ask. Um, given this reveal, can we assume that Johnny's not the only one? And if that, if that is in fact the case, Summer basically, do, do we think Summer is in fact a, a grim like the Hound? Or do we think Summer is sort of on standby somewhere in it, like being held captive by Salem for this exact purpose? Um, what do you, or or maybe maybe this is a misdirect. Um, what do we think this means for specifically for other silver-eyed people and for Summer specifically? Let's go ahead and start with Stacy. Well, now I'm imagining Summer being a captive who is then forcefully transformed between Ruby's eyes because let's make this as bad as we possibly can. Apparently, in my imagination now, 
Let's just make it absolutely horrifying and traumatizing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I mean, for Ruby, it's great TV for us. <laughs> I would imagine that looks a little bit like being eaten by the blob. Ugh. You know, just some really creepy. Yeah, yeah. Um, given this reveal, I am absolutely certain that one, Johnny is not the only person in cold grim storage in that pool. And two, Summer is still a piece in play. They've made it very, very clear that nobody saw her die, that she left and didn't come back. Which, for a huntsman, usually means dead, unless you're Raven, because Raven is just the world's greatest mom. But... <laughs> Big air quotes there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 Willow <laughs> Schnee, still a better mom than Raven. That bar is so dirty, bar. folks. <laughs> yeah, not hard, exactly. Yeah, though, I am... I am absolutely certain that we have many, many Johnnies in storage. And if they have not already been used in things that we have already seen, they are just waiting in the wings. Again, I would not be surprised if a number of them went into the construction of Monstra, just given how big and complicated she is. And I would not be surprised if there are a few more, not hounds, but other super special mini bosses hanging out somewhere waiting to be deployed because for all that the hound got its shit wrecked it was a success it didn't it's like its second trip was its last but it brought her oscar and that's a big thing so yeah i would not be surprised to see more of these in play and i would not be surprised at some point to yeah see it happen on screen even if it's not summer the first time we see that happen I just, there's, there's a point where they go, we're no longer actually a show for kids. <laughs> and they just, I mean, that point was when they ripped Penny apart limb from limb, let's be real. But after that, <laughs> there, there gets a point where there are still some kids watching this and there, there has to be a point where they just go, look, if your child is not already having nightmares, we're about to ratchet it up again. If the Nuklevi didn't do it, if Tyrion didn't do it, if if the Hound didn't do it, we are going to show, we're going to get the, the behind the scenes. We are going to see the making of Krampus, and it's going to be bad, y'all. So yeah, I, I would not put it above Kruby to uh, show us that on screen. Because now that we know it can be done, it will be done. The... My initial thoughts on the Hound were, even though I thought, like, yeah, having the Hound sort of as a mass-produced, um, as a mass-produced Grimm, like, I thought, even though that would be frightening in and of itself, I thought that would take away from how special and unique just having one of them was. But given this reveal, like, I, I'm going to have to walk that back and go, like, yeah, it it would be cool if this was just a one-off thing, but Salem's been at this game for quite a long time. There's no way this was a one-off. And and even if this was, like, a one-off, like, this was the, the first successful experiment, quote-unquote, 
then given this particular experiment's success, uh, she's probably going to replicate that process. Um, whether she's going to, to mass produce it or if she's just going to replace the one that was destroyed, you know, that's up in the air. But yeah, there's no question there. There, like, Johnny's not the only one. And yeah, I feel like maybe Summer might be that replacement or maybe Summer might be an equally horrifying unique grim or maybe yeah salem's just gonna wait <laughs> and and sit on that one for a little bit until it's going to be the most emotionally devastating we'll see there are a lot of options Kruby, you got a lot of options here <laughs> the upside of having a villain with a flair for the theatrical is that you can take your out-of-character script writing and directing flair for the theatrical and have an in-character reason for it. So at this point, knowing that Ruby exists, you bet your ass she's saving Summer for a dramatic reveal. <laughs> you just know she is. Whew, boy, howdy. Uh, like it is it is emotionally devastating, but like I said, I am delighted by it. Uh, I'm not super uh, excited to, for what this means for Summer, but I am just super excited about this whole thing in general. Um, okay, do we have any final thoughts on The Hound before we touch on uh, some final things for this episode? Uh, Stacy, final thoughts on on The Hound specifically? Uh, on The Hound specific, well, okay, related to the grim creation process, does that make the apathy early failures? <gasps> Dude! I'm gonna say no, because it sounds like the apathy are naturally occurring. Okay, yeah. Sorry, just gonna just, come no, in no. and rain on your parade here and blow up the floats. No, that's okay. I started thinking about this like a few minutes ago, so this is a new. <laughs> but like, just where I'm, where you capture that human emotion, but you don't manage to maintain the the humanity that adds to the Grimm's power. I I like the idea of really all Grimm just being Salem trial and error. Like, did this work? No. Did this work? No. <laughs> Like even, even the the flying monkey grim that technically was an experiment even though i'm fairly certain none of those have anything to do with any of the people that she's captured for the purposes of experimentation she just likes to mess with grim <laughs> we're gonna go with the wicked witch of the west we gotta have flying monkeys She's got lots of time on her hands and, like, very little. <laughs> she's got lots of time on her hands and lots of crafting ability. So she's going to utilize it as she sees fit. Oh, and um, a but, full yes. dedication to being 100% that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and being that extra, for sure. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, Stacy, sorry, we interrupted. Uh, any, any, other, uh, any other thoughts? No, no, that's where my mind is right now. <laughs> We're going to get something horrifying in the future, so I'm going to stay in the past a little bit until I get shoved there. Look, I think when we see it on screen, we are going to see fragments or a silhouette, and then we are going to hear a lot of screaming, and we're going to pan away. Like, I think we're going to do a lot of, we may not show everything horrifying on screen, but we're going to imply a lot and leave it to your imagination, because that's worse. <laughs> sitting here giving Kruby ideas that they don't already have them like oh shit you're right that is worse or they're like oh no, oh, no. Oh, honey 
You have no idea. <laughs> and I'm sure we don't. But now I'm going to be on this train because this is horrifying. And also, I kind of love it. Look, I'm a Five Nights at Freddy's fan. Sticking people into horrifying things is mm-hmm. evidently my jam when it comes to horror. <laughs> <laughs> like Whether horror it's thing. dead kids and robots or whole ass people in Grimm evidently putting a human element into something that's trying to rip your fucking face off is just a trope I enjoy in horror. I don't know why. It's super (laughs) fucked up. But here we are. And I am here for all of this. What I'm wondering is, on a story level, on an in-character level, is this going to cause hesitation when it comes to fighting the Grimm? knowing that it's possible that any one Grimm has a human in there. Would they try to save the gooey human center if possible? Is it possible to save any given Johnny at the point where they've become a Grimm? We don't know, but it's one more complication thrown into the works here when they cannot afford to have any more complications. We already had Ruby earlier in this episode trying to get her silver eyes going and getting whacked in the middle of it and it not working. Do we really need another reason for her to hesitate? The answer is no, but we sure just got one. (laughs) I like that. Um, I'm terrible. (laughs) Uh, Like I said, I'm delighted by this. And uh, the only other thing I had to say is I'm wondering if we need to remodel the Rooster Team Mansion here. uh, I'm wondering if we need to remodel so that like I can create a room where when Rooster Teeth does something horrifying like this, if I can just put myself into that room for the specific purpose of bouncing off the walls with joy. Because I I was over the moon when this episode aired. I was so happy. (laughs) I don't know what we'd call it, but I'm thinking about it. The horror hovel, the scary sitting room. I like the horror hovel. Hovel implies some shit, though. (laughs) (laughs) We'll workshop it. It's fine. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that the Discord will come up with something great, either leaning on the horror aspect or on the bouncing off the walls aspect. Uh, and speaking of horror elements within this episode, we're forgetting about a major development here. Penny finally goes full Terminator in this episode. And... I think it's every bit as upsetting as we thought it was going to be. Um, But we have, so after she wakes up, one, she wakes up at the worst possible moment. And two, she still seems to have a little bit of control or specifically she's fighting for control of her own body. And she has this moment with Nora, who I think it's, I think it's really sweet that it was Nora there who was there to remind her of this fact because Nora was having sort of uh, an identity crisis a little earlier this season. So I think it was really sweet that Nora was there to provide some comfort to Penny while she was going through this. But yeah, after that, we see Penny go full Terminator. And even though she doesn't get away, what's going to happen the next time she wakes up? Uh, so what did we think of this development Stacy, <laughs> what are your thoughts? And first off, huge shout out to Sam Ireland for some incredible voice acting. Yo! With Nora. Amazing. Wow. What a scene. Uh, what a moment between the two of them. And 
God, how absolutely devastating to then see Penny switch over into full Terminator mode and just march out of that room. Uh, and not Klein over twice. <laughs> she got him coming and going. Man, <laughs> twice. Just poor thing. He's over here taking care of everybody. and He's providing medical expertise, providing emotional support, you know, just being, generally speaking, being a really stand-up guy. And he keeps getting knocked off his feet. Just, so it's just like being employed with the schneeze again. I Right? <laughs> Old times. He was really not feeling nostalgic. But that didn't matter, did it? <laughs> I, I, God, I think this whole buildup, this whole, it's just a part of you and Nora being the one to kind of reassure her and give her this information. And then seeing Penny kind of take that information and really try to, you know, actually make that be true and how it was devastating for us in the moment to see her succumb and go full Terminator and just march right out that door but it also gives us a little hope well well the seed has been planted she's thinking about it and maybe penny's got some fight left in her well we also saw her stand up to the hound if even for that one moment Mm -hmm. so it stands to reason if we can get penny back if we can undo what was done then she will continue to be one hell of an ally because we see her in Terminator mode. It seems like the maiden powers either don't work or just aren't activated. Whether it's because Terminator mode is full programming and the maiden powers are more tied to her soul, who knows? Actually, that's the theory I'm going with. Put a pin <laughs> in that one. Let's go. Um, yes. What's killing me is that this is going to kill her. Oh. Because we have... It's a good segue. I, I, I like me. Um because we have her saying, I have to go open the vault and then self-terminate. And I did see some comments about, wow, Ironwood really went for... No, pretty sure the self-terminate thing was 100% Watts' doing. Let's yeah. be real here. <laughs> Fun little additions. Yeah. Maximum excitement. Because it's the sort of thing where Ironwood just wants Penny back under his control. There is no point in breaking the tool once you have it again. Whereas Watts just wants him to not have the tool at all. This is what happens when you take an evil programmer and you go, hey, make this thing for me. I trust you. Like an idiot. Like an idiot. Again, just the, the scroll of Ironwood's bad decisions just rolling down the infinite staircase infinitely, continually unraveling. Anyway... That was fucking heartbreaking. Yeah, this this was devastating. But um, as you mentioned, she fought the Hound for a little bit. And that's what I mean when I, um, earlier in the episode, we were talking about Watts. Um, I'm wondering if his, uh, like, if him reprogramming Penny in this way is actually going to be counterintuitive to what uh, Salem had in mind, because Salem is looking to capture the Winter Maiden um, and extract her power. If Penny self-destructs before that happens, then it's entirely possible that the power will be scattered to the wind again and could end up in a random person or one of 
you know, one of the characters that we're familiar with. So I'm wondering if, like, in the process of trying to apprehend Penny, if while she's in full Terminator mode, if she's going to, like, defeat the Grim who try to come after her, and Salem has to look at Watts and be like, um, this, undo it. Control-Alt-Undo. How do I do that? <laughs> Control-F-U. <laughs> you fix it yeah. <laughs> um so i'm wondering if that's actually gonna hurt watts in the long run um as far I'd as i'd like to hurt watts in the long run <laughs> wouldn't we all yes um but i'm really hoping that you know regardless of what happens to watts and how this um ultimately affect salem's plan regardless of all of that i'm still sitting up here in the love loft i'm out of the horror hovel for now i'm back in the love loft and i'm sitting here this moment with nora really gives me hope that power of love is going to be the key to saving penny um you know as as fleeting as that hope may be i'm sitting here and firmly hoping that uh, her love for her friends and specifically her love for Ruby is what's going to save the day. And the less I talk about that, because I'm sure they're just going to kick me in the face and the heart. <laughs> I'm just going to sit back here in the love loft with a cup of hot cocoa and think about life for a little while. <laughs> I mean, as horrific as this show can get, and this past episode showed us, oh yeah, we're going there. We live there. You have no idea. This is still, at its heart, a power of friendship show. This is a show that the main goal is to get humanity to work together as one. Because that's, that's the whole thing. That's the whole, we call the gods down for a fucking final evaluation. And hopefully we will have humanity, or at least a good chunk of it, working together as a whole. Otherwise, we're all doomed. That's the apocalypse scenario. So, at its core, Ruby is still very much a show about power of love, power of friendship, working together, etc. Like, as, as much hecked up stuff is going on, I don't think we can forget that. That's fair. And I'm sitting here hoping that, <laughs> that that's what's going to save the day. Um, the other thing um, about this moment, um, as cool as it is to see something that we've been predicting um, for a long time happen, like finally happen, as cool as that is, I also don't want to like skip over this this bit with Nora because I, I mentioned earlier that she was having an identity crisis, specifically what she was, you know, what she said even just in the last episode was, "What am I good for now?" Um, since she can't, you know, um, you know, hit stuff at, at the current moment. She's like, what am I good for now? And so this episode, even though we knew it already, it, it's nice to have a reminder of, like, your worth is not determined by what your you think you're capable of. Your worth is not determined by your physical capability. Yes, that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, as Nora says, you know, it's just a part of you. It's not the only part and it's not the, you know, it's not the only thing that matters. And so I just, I really like that moment. Uh, do we have any final thoughts on Nora and Penny in this episode and this episode as a whole? Stacy, final thoughts. It was, wow, 
it was an episode <laughs> man seeing i was just thinking about seeing penny you know in her full, full terminator mode also being very um almost obedient as she was programmed you know whitley asks her a question and she just automatically responds with exactly what she has been programmed to do no hesitation uh and really just seeing like her her choice and her own mindset stripped away like that i think that hit particularly hard so we need to save penny <laughs> power of love to save penny uh man yes 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 yes, yes. There's pain. There's pain. There's just pain ahead. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. And I am much. so excited and so here for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. <laughs> <laughs> I am terrified and excited and ready to sit down every Saturday morning and be terrified and excited and just absolutely horrified. Legit. Honestly, I think my final thoughts can just be summarized as ah! I really liked this episode. Same. <laughs> it's super fucked up. Give me more. <laughs> <laughs> you both provided screams for this episode while I'm sitting over here going <laughs> Okay, well, it's your turn to scream then. No, I'm not going to scream. I did a fangirl cry just now. <laughs> I was your fangirl cry it was a fangirl squeeze yes. do better <laughs> really give us the squeak Girl, come on get into it <laughs> there we go that's right, it better better we'll work we'll workshop that <laughs> okay i'll be sure to drop the audio so <laughs> not everybody has to hear that in their ears uh, but oh, anyway no. everybody has to hear that in their ears <laughs> not at that particular frequency then um Okay, I think uh, I think on that note, it's time to wrap it up for the night. Stacy, where can people go if they want to keep up with you? <laughs> I'm Stacy Shuttleworth. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Stacy Shuttles. There's a pandemic outside. I'm getting through day by day and playing Hades and going to work, and that is my life. So uh, keep up with the Rooster Team, though. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, Katie. I'm Katie. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxe. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. I am also on an Overwatch and Overwatch League podcast called On The Point that is on hiatus because the season is on hiatus. If you like reaction videos to Rooster Teeth stuff and other assorted things, they live on that YouTube channel. And yeah, I have also been playing Hades off and on because I gave myself a repetitive motion injury playing Hades, so I can't play it as much as I'd like, but... That's what a lot of my Twitter screaming is. Politi political activism and terrible, terrible Hades jokes. Uh, and I'm Megan Salinas. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams where Katie and I talk about horror things. Uh, surprisingly, not Rupee on there, but I feel like maybe we should start. <laughs> I mean, we're probably going to talk about Willy's Wonderland once we watch it. Yeah, <laughs> that drops in a few days. Absolutely. I am here for that. Um, and I'm also on a Lost Retrospective podcast called No Love Lost, where my co-host Will Link loves Lost, and I don't. 
and we talk about it. Uh, be sure to follow our co-host Mark Donica at Mark B. Donica on Twitter. Uh, check out his uh, podcast, Party of Two. He does a lot of cool stuff. Be sure to follow the whole team at the Rooster Team. Be sure to keep an eye on this feed because we actually have something uh, special coming up for you guys fairly soon. So please, please keep an eye out. Uh, you won't want to miss it if you are a fan of some of the other things that we've put out. So keep an eye here. Join our Discord. Again, leave leave a review on iTunes. Support our sponsor, uh, Fred's BS, or Fred He Bakes. Pardon me. <laughs> Going old school. Going old school there. Uh, <laughs> be sure to support our sponsor. Uh, support us on Tee Public. All that jazz. And uh, we have one more announcement before we go. As always, we end with the important things. Wear a mask. Anytime you go outside your door, doesn't matter if you're getting the mail or walking the dog or whatever, you never know when you're going to run into another human being, and you cannot control other people's choices, but you can control your own. Wearing a mask protects you a little bit and other people a lot, and that is the point, so wear a mask. Support your essential workers, support your post office people, support your grocery store people, just support your essential workers. They do not get to choose to stay inside to do their job. They have to be out and about in the public, so be patient, be kind, be supportive. Support the post office because, as we know, shenanigans are still continuing. Buy stamps, be kind to your postal workers, be patient with your shipping dates. Uh, thank you for voting. Thank you for voting. Thank you for voting. Now is still the time to lean on your reps and ask them to do good things, but also, thank you for voting. Black Lives Matter. Black LGBTQIA lives matter. Black trans lives matter. Black lives matter. That has not changed. That is not going to change. Black lives matter. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this is if we make responsible decisions, wear masks, and take care of each other. And remember that we love you. Thank you all so, so much for listening. This has been Ruby Redux, and now it's time to say goodbye. 